got your Bible, I want to ask you to turn today to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. In a few minutes we'll read from there, but I want to first of all introduce to you today a new series that we're going to begin today. It's going to last for four weeks. And as you've seen on the screen, it's about his house, our house, my house. Talking about God's house. And the next four Sundays, including today, talking about God's house, we're going to be sharing a lot of different thoughts, doing a lot of different things. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you even more at the very end of service, just before we go today, about some plans we have three weeks out from today, on the fourth Sunday of the series. But we're going to be focusing on the importance of God's house and how we need to perceive it as God's house, our house collectively, but individually, we need to take ownership in the house of God and call it my house. In the Old Testament, when God had his people, Israel, build the first tabernacle out in the wilderness, God gave them exact instructions. And as they built that tabernacle, it became very important, not just in their day and in their lifetime, but it became a type, it became a picture it became an example of what God wanted to do in our lives and what he wanted to do in our lives to have them become his dwelling place. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament picture of the tabernacle really today is prophetically fulfilled by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I would become the house of God. You and I would become a dwelling place for God's spirit and God's presence. We're going to talk about that some over the next few weeks, but today what I want to begin to focus on, as much as we realize that we are the house of God, you and I individually, we are the dwelling place of God, yet today I want to focus on the fact that we can never overlook the importance of people gathering together in a place that we call God's house. See, this has been instilled in me since I was a little kid. It's, it's been a part of my entire life. For some of you, it wasn't that way. But yet, in our lifetimes, in our walk with God, we need to begin to learn and to understand the importance of gathering together as God's people, becoming the house of God. Very, very important that we understand this. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 25 tells us that we don't want to forsake and overlook the assembling of ourselves together. Because out of that assembling together, there comes times of encouraging, where we can encourage one another, where we can give, where we can receive to each other, where we can help move each other forward and grow in the things and the ways of God. And I think when we see that word in Hebrews... I think it's important for us as believers to establish something in our hearts that needs to go hand in hand with our walk with God. We need daily devotion. We need time with God. We need to read God's word. We need to pray. We need to do those things. But we also need to be gathering together regularly in the house of God. It needs to become a priority in our lives. God's house is important. It's interesting in Matthew chapter 18... Jesus shared some things in a couple of verses, and I won't take time to read it. I'll just refer to it. You can check it out later. It's in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. He gave us a promise, but he also gave us an assumption that went along with it, an assumption on his part. 
In verse 18, or verse 19, Jesus said this, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. How many of you like that promise today? If just two of us agree on anything, he said he would do it. But the next verse, there's this assumption that goes along with it. It says this, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. See, he gives us this assumption. When people come together in my name, you know, a lot of times people use in Jesus' name, in God's name, in my name, we use that as like a postage stamp. It's like we put it on things and we say, okay, if I put this little magic code on things, it makes God do stuff. That's not what he's talking about. When he says, if two or three are gathered in my name, what he's saying is, when people gather together for my purposes in the earth, I show up there. I show up there. And then, when people are there for the right reasons and the right purposes, anything that they ask, I will do it. We need to put that promise and that assumption together today and realize that amazing things happen in the house of God that rarely happen anywhere else. Let me say that one more time. Listen closely to the words. Amazing things happen in the house of God that rarely happen anywhere else. Now, I didn't say they don't happen. I didn't say that. I said they rarely happen. In other words, the amazing things that God does, so commonly they happen in the house of God. Why? Because two or three are gathered in his name for his purposes, and they're asking for him to do the things that he promised. We need to understand the importance of God's house. I want to tell you something today. I love God's house. This is the highlight of of my week. Some of you say, well, that's because you're up there talking. No, it's not because I'm up here talking. If it's Pastor Zach, if it's Pastor Ann, if we have a guest speaker, if somebody else is speaking, this is the highlight of my week, coming to God's house, because when I come to God's house, I expect him to show up, and I expect amazing things to happen. I love God's house. Every follower of Christ needs a home church. Every follower of Christ needs a home church. Boy, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church today. <laughs> it's okay to be a bobblehead every now and then and say, okay, I'm with you. Or say, yeah, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Or even if you're old school, you could even say amen. Okay, I'll accept that this morning. But here's the point. Every follower of Christ needs a home church, a place to belong, a place where we can receive, a place where we can learn, a place where we can grow, a place where we can give, a place where we can serve, a place where we can participate, a place where we can build relationships, and a place where we can find family and where we can be family to other believers. You know, there, there are three main descriptions in the New Testament of God's people. One is the church. Another is the family of God. Another is the body of Christ. Each one of those descriptions tells us we need to be here because there are reasons why God wants us gathering together for his purposes in his name. Everybody needs a home church. Now, in this series, we're going to talk about his house where God dwells and his kingdom thrives. We're going to be talking about our house, 
where we corporately gather together as family for his purposes. And then we're going to talk about my house, where I take ownership and I find my place of value in God's family. We'll be talking about all these things. So today, I want to kick off part one of this series. How many enjoyed the introduction this morning? Some of you saying, oh man, it's going to be a long one. No, it's not. I'm going to move fast this morning. But I want to begin this morning. I want to talk about two main things. I want to talk about the purpose of God's house. I'm going to break it into two pieces. The purpose of God's house. Now you see it on the screen. It's his house. This is God's house. This is not Gary's house. Now we'll get to that another week where we take personal ownership. This is not Gary's house. It's not Ann's house. It's not Zach's house. It's not Corey's house. It's not Jeremy's house. It's not Aaron's house because he's not even here today. He's sitting home watching the Raiders game. Is where he's... No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. He is on vacation, though, just so you know. But here's the thing. This is God's house. So we need to understand today, if this is God's house, what are the purposes of God? Why does God have a house? Exodus chapter 40, when it talks about the building of the first tabernacle in the wilderness. When they had finished the tabernacle, verse 33, it says, So Moses finished the work, and then verse 34 it says, Then the cloud, the glory of God, the presence of God, covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, the dwelling place, the house of God. Now I'm going to explain this to you real fast, because i got to move quickly today. But in the Old Testament, when God said, build me a house, build me a tabernacle, up to the time it was built, you will notice that God's people were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night for several reasons, which you don't have time to get into today. But out of that, we found that when the cloud moved, it was God's presence leading them in a new direction. When the cloud moved, they moved. If the fire moved, they moved. They followed the presence of God. But then there came, came the time when God said, build me a tabernacle. Here's how I want it built. He gave them all the specifications, what he wanted to build out of. When they finished it, the glory of God that was above them came and rested on God's house among them. And what you find is, in the tabernacle construction, around the tabernacle, when they would settle in a place and the glory of God settled in a place or stopped over a place, they would settle there, they would set up the tabernacle, and here's what they would do. They would set up all of their tents in order as God showed them all around the tabernacle. So you, here you have the house of God in the middle and you have all the people in their tribes around, or their families or tribes around the tabernacle, exactly where God wanted them. And the first thing you see in this is when they woke up in the morning and when they went to bed at night and everything that happened all day long while they were there, their houses were facing the house of God. It was showing the importance of God in his house being right at the center of their lives. Right at the center of the national life of Israel was the house of God. And when people got out of bed in the morning and they walked out of their tents, the first thing they would do is look down and they would see the tabernacle of God, the house of God and the presence of God. And they would be reminded of the importance of God's house and God's presence among them. So, so number one, first thing I want to talk to you about today is the purpose of God's house, first of all, is a place where God's presence can dwell and can abide. Now let me go back for just a moment. 
Old Testament, it was a physical place where God came and would abide. In the New Testament, we become the house of God. He lives in us by his Holy Spirit. But yet there's something amazing that happens when God's people gather together in a place called his house under his name for his purposes. The first purpose we need a house of God for is we need a place where God can come and dwell and work among us. One of the things that I love about this church, and I'll go down to line two, one of the things I love about our church, the Bridge Church, I love the fact that people on a regular basis, not every week, but every few days, I have somebody walk up to me and say, hey, I'm new to the bridge. I've only been here two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Had somebody a Sunday or two ago came up to me and said, hey, I've only been here like six weeks, but the first time I walked in this building and service began, I felt the presence of God. That's what his house is for. It's for people to sense the presence of God. For God to have a place where he's welcome, where he can come and begin to do his will and his purposes among us. God wants that kind of dwelling place. Now, I realize, I know, prophetically speaking, I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what scripture says. I know that. I realize that. But I also know that when we gather together in numbers, there's something that happens when we gather in the Lord's name. God when he's honored, shows up and says, this is my house. This is my house. You know, in the Old Testament, when that cloud, that presence of God, the glory of God that was above them, when they finished that tabernacle, it says it came down and it rested in the house and it filled the house, the whole tabernacle. I believe when we gather in the Lord's name, and our hearts are pure, and we're here for God's purposes, God shows up and says, I'm here. I'm here. And when God shows up, everybody knows it. God's house needs to be reverenced as a place where God abides. Let me ask you a question. If you knew God was sitting there next to you every moment of the day, and he is, by the way, some of you don't realize this, he is, but if you knew God was sitting there listening to everything you're saying, every, watching everything you're doing, some of you would probably change some of your ways and some of your words. Can I get two amens or two bobbleheads? Can I get a bobblehead in the house this morning? Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll, instead of being a church that says amen, we'll just become the bobblehead church. As long as you're going this way, we're okay. If you start going this way, we've got problems. Amen. But, but the point is this. The point is this. We need to learn to reverence God's house. You know, and I wouldn't, this isn't in my notes, but on Sunday mornings, you know, our services aren't that long. And if you have a horrible bladder problem, I get it. I understand, okay? But you know what? There's some people that rate five or six trips in and out of the building on Sunday morning. We need to reverence God's house because if you will reverence God's house, God will show up and he'll do some things in your life that nobody else can do. But you need to have reverence because it's God's house. It's his house. Treat it like it's God's house. Reverence like it's God's house. God will show up. Now, look at Genesis chapter 28. I told you that God's house is constructed, first of all, to be a place where God can dwell. Look at Genesis chapter 28, because I want to show you something real fast 
I'm going to read verse number 12. This is the story of Jacob. When Jacob is first beginning to figure out who God is and what God's about. He's heard about it from Abraham and heard about it from Isaac. Now, the next generation, Jacob. He's trying to sort this all out. He's, he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. And one night, he lays down and puts his head on his stone and goes to sleep. And here's what it says in verse number 12 of Genesis 28. Read with me. It says, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. This is the dream he's having. He goes to sleep, has this dream, and he sees this ladder with the angels of God going up and, up and, up and down, back and forth between earth and heaven. It says, skip down to verse 16. After the dream, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Verse 17, and he was afraid. The word afraid there is the word that we use for reverence. It was a godly fear. It was a, it was a, a reverence that said and a fear that said, I want to be sure and I respond to this place in this moment the way God wants me to. Because in that dream he heard from God. But he said, I want to reverence this moment. I don't want to misuse this place. I don't want to misuse this moment because this is, and notice what he goes on to say, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, there's three things that I want you to notice here. And there's more to this, but i, I got to hit this and move quickly. First thing we see is that in the house of God, as Jacob saw it in his dream... The angels of God are ascending and descending. Back and forth in heaven. That is a sign of God being active among his people. It's a sign of God's messengers coming down. God getting his message to us. God getting his power to us. God getting his favor to us. Every time in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, when you see angels show up, they've got a message of what God is about to do. And they bring provision. And God is saying to his people, in my house... You'll get my provision. You'll get my message, not just collectively, but personally for your own life. You'll get my message in my presence. But then he also said this. Jacob said, man, this place is awesome. You know, every generation has its own language. You know, for the last, what, 15 years or so, awesome has been a big word in our society. How many of you know that Jacob was ahead of his time? He had it figured out. Well, then the Bible, just all that old language. Not old language. He said, the house of God is awesome. This place is awesome. In the original writings, what it means is this is a fearful place, a place that needs to be reverenced. What he was literally saying is there's no place like this place. Friend, please hear me today. I spend time with God every day of my life. I talk to God. I walk with God. But this is the highlight of my week, coming to God's house. Because when God shows up among his people, amazing things happen in a big, big, big way. There's no place like this place. And we need to reverence this house. And we need to come to church expecting God to do amazing things. Because here's the second part of this. Not only is this a place where God wants to dwell, this is a place where God can be God on earth. God looks for an atmosphere 
that wants his presence. God looks for a people who expect his presence. God looks for a people who welcome his presence. God looks for a people who will gather together and say, I believe, according to his word, God is about to do great things. You get those people together reverencing God, and God's going to show up because God is looking for a place on earth where he can be God on earth. And we need to welcome God's presence and expect his presence among us. This is an awesome place. I, I love God's house. I love God. Anybody else here love God's house? I love God's house. There's no place like it. Now, let me, let me put a disclaimer in here. This is not the only place in town where God dwells. I know some of you have come from churches where they say, well, there ain't no place else like this place. This place is God's real church. The rest of them are all counterfeits. You know what? There, God has a lot of houses in this area, okay? I'm going to tell you something. But I don't have any voice in those houses. I don't have any authority there. But I'm going to tell you something. As long as we have God's house here and I'm here, we're going to expect God to show up and be God in big, 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 big ways. Because we need him. We need him. He is awesome. And then the last thing, last thing he said there, Jacob said, this is the house of God. He named the place Bethel, which means the house of God. This is the house of God. You know whose house you're sitting in today? God's house. God's house. And I just kind of believe when you come to God's house, God needs to be the loudest voice in the building. You know, if you come to my house, my will is for the most part going to be done because it's my house. I'm the head of my house. I'm the boss. I don't, I don't act like it a lot. I don't get real loud about it, but you know what? When it's time for you to leave, I'll tell you to leave if I need to tell you to leave. If you're acting wrong and you're dis, uh, dis, uh, dishonoring my house, I'll tell you to go. I don't know if I've ever had that. Well, not recently. I've done it, but not recently. I've had, I've had salesmen. I've told them, get out of my house. Just get up. Take your vacuum cleaner and go. You know, you know what I mean? Not to offend anybody. Somebody said, well, you must be old. Well, you can call me old if you want to. I'm just experienced is what I am. But, but the point is, I know how to stop people from dishonoring my house. Because when you're in my house, it's my house, and we play by my rules. But how many, of us, how many of us come to God's house, and we want to tell God how to be God in his house? It's God's house. Let God be God. Let God be God. Let's hear from him. Let's see what God has to say. Number two, the second part of this, turn to Matthew 21. Because I'm going to move really fast now. Really, really fast. And I'm going to show you three things real quickly about this second principle. I know I'm confusing some people. The first principle is God wants a house where he can dwell and where he can be God on earth. The second thing is God wants his house to be a place where we can experience God's presence. God wants us to experience his presence. Look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seat, seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, and notice this, my house shall be called what? A house of prayer. My house shall be called, say it one more time, a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. Now, now pause here just a moment because I'm, I'm going to read some more, but I want you to hear this. It's easy for us to look only at what was going on in the temple and say, well, God didn't like that. 
Let's look at a bigger picture for just a moment and let's realize something here. What Jesus was saying was, this isn't the purpose of my house. There are a lot of things that go in and on in churches all across the country that are really not God's purposes. And I'm not the judge of any of those things. I don't have any voice of authority there anyplace else. But I've been in church a lot of years. I've been in a lot of churches. I traveled for seven years preaching in churches all across the country. I went a lot of places where I thought, what does that have to do with God? See, Jesus went in and he overturned tables and ran people out of the temple. And basically what he said was, that's not the purpose of God's house. But Jesus said, here is the purpose. My house, God's house, my house, this is Jesus speaking, my house shall be a house of prayer. What's the purpose of prayer? It's for God and man to connect. It's for God to talk to man, man to talk to God. It's to have a conversation, to have communication. God said, my house shall be a place where I connect with people and people connect with me. Number one, we honor God's house because we want his presence. But number two, God wants us to experience the power the glory of his presence. God wants us to experience it. Now look at verse number 14. Then, everybody say then. <clears throat> then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. See this? He pushes all the mispurposes out of the way. He cleans things out that aren't the will and the purposes of God. Things that are going on in God's house that have got nothing to do with God's purposes. He cleans them out. And the next thing that happens is then they bring people to him, the lame and the blind, and he heals them. Miracles start happening. Then verse 15. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. You want to make religious people mad? Let people experience God's power. Let miracles happen. That always makes religious people mad. Because they can't explain it. Their theology doesn't cover all of that. And these religious guys come on, and they're indignant. Notice the word. They're indignant. They're just outraged because here's children praising God in God's house. Can you imagine a novel thing? I don't want to shock anybody. But if your children are over in the children's ministry today, can I tell you what they're doing? They are praising God over there. God likes it. God likes it. All of a sudden, praise breaks out in God's house. Why? Because people begin to experience his power and amazing things are happening. Then in verse 16, these guys said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected or completed praise? Let me show you three things out of this passage of Scripture. Number one, God wants his house to be a place of prayer where we connect with God. The whole vision of the Bridge Church is two simple things. Where people connect with God and where people connect with people. Where we have encounters with God and then where we gather together to see God do more. Where we get together to do the work of the ministry. 
Simple. So simple. One of the priorities, one of the principles, one of the main purposes of God's house, according to Jesus. How many of you think Jesus probably knew what he was talking about? He said, my house needs to be a place where people can connect with God. People need to connect with God. As a matter of fact, it's continually happening, day after day, meeting after meeting. When people gather together in his name, becoming his house, creating that place, God is connecting with people. You know, my personal house, my personal walk with God, this personal tabernacle should be a house of prayer. I need to be talking with God every day of my life. You need to be talking with God every day of your life. He wants to be in relationship with you. But you know what else? God's corporate tabernacle. When we gather together as his people, we should support and encourage and promote what the personal walk of people is with God. We should encourage people to continue to encounter God day after day after day. It doesn't just happen here. It can happen every day of your life. But we learn God's presence. We learn God's power. We see his hand at work. We see his glory working among us. And then we take that out and we walk it out in our everyday lives. We learn God's presence in his house. Then we can carry that presence in our own house. Remember the promise that we mentioned earlier from Jesus of if two or three agree, I'll do it? But what was the assumption? People are gathering together for my purposes. Our first purpose is to make this house a place where we encounter God and it becomes a place of prayer. Once that happens, and once God's house is cleansed of the mispurposes, the second thing that happens is it becomes a place of power. If God's presence is here, you can expect God's power to be here. Somebody in the house, you came here today, you're hurting, you're broken, you're wounded. You don't want anybody to know it. You're masking it. It's like, man, I hurt so bad. I came to church today. God, oh God, I don't know what to do. You know what? You need to just stop and relax and let the presence of God bring his power into your life and begin to meet you right where you are. Don't expect to leave God's house the way you came. Expect to leave this place affected, touched, changed by the power of God. Expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Some people go, go to church. Well, I, I need to go to church to figure out how I can suffer one more day. You know what? I encourage you to come here to find out how you can get healed for tomorrow, and it'll be better than yesterday. I don't want you to stay the way you are. I want you to experience not just the presence of God, but the power of God. Because when Jesus cleansed the house, the lame and the blind then were brought. Then the miracles began to happen. Jesus touched them and healed them because everything changed with the presence of God. We need to start expecting the power of God to be great among us. Then, then they experience God's power. How many of you have a desire to experience God's power? Miss your hands, come on. Let me see them. Miss your hands. How many want to experience God's power? I don't want to just know about it. I want to experience it. I want his power to work in me and for me and through me. And then the last thing, God's house, third of all, became a house of praise. And this praise was so contagious. Think about it. Lame people are being healed. Blind people, their eyes are being opened. 
and praise starts breaking out. People are amazed. They're praising God. And it gets so contagious that even little kids are running to God's house. Ah, look what God's doing. Ah, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Oh, shut those kids up. This is God's house. No, let those kids go. This is God's house. See, some of you wonder, well, why do you promote the kids so much? Because we want them to experience God. We don't want them growing up not knowing God. We want them to experience God when they're young. We want to establish God's presence in their lives. Because if we experience God's power, all of a sudden praise is going to start coming out of our mouths. Does anybody in this house today have anything to be thankful for today? If so, before you leave this house, you need to thank God for his blessings. Well, if I could just see God do something. Look over your shoulder. Has he done anything? Well, yeah, but that was three days ago. Well, don't be thankful anymore then. Just sit there and dry up, you know? No, I'm kidding. We need to be people of praise. You know what praise is? Praise is thanking God for what he's already done. You know what worship is? Worship is honoring God for who he is. Not just what he's done. I'm almost finished, but when you looked at the Old Testament tabernacle, right in front of the, the entrance area, the flap of the tent where they went through the gates into the courts of God. You know, Moses and Aaron were set up there, the tribe of Levi, who were kind of like the spiritual ministers in the temple, did the work of the ministry. They're, they're set up right in front of that gate, but right there with them, right back to them supporting them, God placed the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. And here's what David said about it. David said in Psalms 100 verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You know what we do every time we have a church service here at the bridge? First thing we do is we give God praise and honor and glory. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We bless the Lord. We honor his holy name. That's what we do because that's what God's asked us to do. Don't be intimidated by people of praise. Well, I'm just not into music. Okay, that's okay. You can still be into praise. I mean, I don't like the way they look. I don't either, but you know what? That, that's... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not everybody be, can be cool like me. You know? They got to look the way they want to look. I'm still kidding, okay? It's not about who's up here and who's singing, what the song is. It's about what are we singing? Who are we singing to? What's the intent of this? We're here to give God praise. Because here's what Scripture tells us in Psalms 22. God inhabits the praise of his people. That's what the King James says. God inhabits the praise of his people. And another translation says God is enthroned on the praise of his people. In other words, our praise becomes God's throne. Can I do some teaching here for 30 seconds? I have one second left. My time's gone. No, it's not. Listen closely. One of the reasons why God doesn't show up in our personal lives on a daily basis is because we don't praise God and give him anything to sit on. He's enthroned on our praises. God wants to sit on a throne. That's who he is. And his throne is praise. You praise God, he'll show up even in your house, even in your car. Praise God. One of the things that is a priority in our church, one of our first values, one of our first priorities, is we worship God. We praise God. You come to this church, you're going to hear people praising God. 
you might as well join in because this is what brings in the presence of God. God sits on the throne that we build him. The bigger the throne we build, the bigger God shows up. Are you getting that? His house needs to be a house of praise. We need to fill God's house with praise, expecting God to do amazing things. I hear stories regularly of people who say, man, while we were worshiping, we were singing that song, and we got to those words that were saying such and such. All of a sudden, the presence of God came in, and God just touched my life, and God did this, God did that. God spoke something that I've been needing to hear. It's amazing what happens when we encounter God, and we just say, God, I'm going to worship you and honor you. It's amazing what God does in times of praise. You need to praise God. So number one, it's a place for God to dwell. His house is a place for him to dwell. It's a place for him to be God on earth. Number two, it's a place where you and I can experience God's presence. And God's presence will bring what? His power. It'll cause us to praise him. It's amazing the things that God will do to open our hearts to him. Let me pray for you today. Bow your heads if you would, please. Father, we've come to this place today. This is your house. This is your house. God, we want to reverence it. We want to do the things in your house that are pleasing to you. We don't come to your house and put our feet up on the furniture and abuse it. We don't do things to dishonor you in your house. We come to this place to honor you and your purposes. Father, I ask you today in Jesus' name to take this message, this word, and burn it into our hearts. God, we need to come to your house. We need to make it a habit in our lives that your word is right in the center, that your name is right in the center of our lives, and we look to you. We look to your house for your presence. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus today Every person in this room, God, help us to reverence your house. Help us to honor your house the way you want us to honor it. God, don't let us take your house lightly. Don't let us take it for granted. But help us to honor and reverence your house. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and, and, and nobody's moving, nobody's looking around. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, this is all new to me. I'm not even in relationship with God, but I came here today and... There's definitely something different here. I, I sensed God in this house. Wow, would, would I like to know God? You know what? You can know God today before you leave this place. You can be a part of his family. You can be one of his children. God put his own son on a cross. Jesus Christ was sent to this earth, the son of God, to die for our sins. God put his own son on a cross to wash away our sins and bring us into relationship with him. He extends forgiveness and grace to us, but we have to receive that grace. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, man, I, I would love to know God. I would love to experience God. I'd love to be at peace with God. You can be right now, and the way you do it is you open your heart and say, God, I need you. Maybe right now, your heart, maybe you feel God knock on the door of your heart, and you know inside, this is God and this is right. What do I do at this moment? I want to ask you to invite God into your life today. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we're all going to pray a prayer together and ask God to come into our lives. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Right out loud, just repeat this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. So I open my heart to you. Please come in. 
I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead so that I could become your child. So I put my faith in you today and I say I believe you. Come into my life. I want to be your child. I want to know you. I want to experience you. And I want to know you throughout eternity. So I give my life to you. Come and be my God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just welcome people into God's family today? just prayed that prayer and maybe you've never known God or maybe you've just been far far from God we want to welcome you into God's family you're one of us we want you to get involved in God's family but today you're starting this journey with God this is not the end of the journey it's the beginning we've got a little tool we want to give you called the next seven days it's just a simple little devotional that'll help you get started walking with God we want to give you this devotional when service is over in a few minutes we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building they're here to pray for anybody with any need if you just walk to the front and say can i get one of those booklets they'll give you the booklet no strings attached we simply want to give it to you so it'll help you get started walking with god it'll answer a lot of questions for you it'll make your journey so much easier in these first few days walking with god you'll help it'll help you understand it so much more so please let us give that to you if you're in a big rush, you can go to the Connection Center out in the lobby. We'll give you the same booklet right there. Just walk up to the Connection Center and say, can I get the booklet they were talking about inside? We would love to give it to you today. Welcome to the family of God. We're so glad you've chosen to follow Jesus. So let us help you.